This man has sowed so much into Pastor Colleen and I through the years. We met Pastor uh, J.D. when we were in a difficult time in the ministry. We were, we were fighting. I was fighting my way back out of a, a, a series of burnout. Sometimes you, you can get weary in well-doing. That's why the Bible says not to get weary in well-doing, and because you can do it by getting your focuses sometimes in the wrong places on the wrong things. And this man sowed so much into Pastor Colleen and I. I believe the church's name is now Revive Church. It was World Revival, but now it's Revive Church. And this man, I'm not kidding you, he put so many resources in our hands. If I had to put a dollar value on it, I know it'd be, it would be five, six, seven, eight thousand dollars or more of just materials that he handed Pastor Colleen and I to try to help us uh, dig our way out of the situation we were in. And he, he really fanned the flame in our life in many different directions and was on the phone talking to us, encouraging us at the time we needed him most. And at that time, you probably had, what, two or three hundred other pastors or so beneath you at that time. So we were just one of the people he was sowing into. He has written so many books uh, on revival, on healing. Uh, I don't, did you bring any materials with you today? Okay, we got them set up out back. I didn't see them, so forgive me. Uh, be sure that you stop by his product table and take his books on. They will rock your world. He's uh, just just agreed to do some writing for Charisma Magazine. They want him to, to write some special articles for them. And so this is a man who's worked behind the scenes and doesn't get a lot of accolade, and he kind of likes it that way. But today, I want us to treat him like the Holy Ghost rock star he is. Would you help me give a Passion Church welcome to J.D. King as he comes? <laughs> Take your time, brother. Wow, he's talking me up way too much. It's good to see you guys. How's everybody doing? Some of you ought to still be convicted with that, that production. Wow. It's like, man, I, I, I was stirred. Love that. that was done very well. That's probably one of the best productions I've ever seen in a church. Love it. I love hearing the message. I love hearing, you know, watching the young people, the creative visual. That was a mar marvelous. Great to be here with you guys. Um, you know, uh, it's fun to know this. I know today that, that my message is not the, the cherry on the top. You already got that. But I'm here to call you to something bigger, something better. I believe this church, and I've, I've said these kinds of things before, but I still stand by it. This church is poised to do really great things. I mean, you already are, but, but even greater things. You know, God's beginning to stir revival a little bit in pockets of the United States right now. There's people getting hungry. There's churches that are ready to rise to the occasion. And the question is, are you going to be the kind of church that you're actually called to be? Are you going to rise up into your destiny? Are you going to become the kind of people that, you know, are able to touch the lives of all kinds of people in this region? I believe there are people that God is saying, hey, I'd like to work with them. I'd like to, to move there. Here's a church I think is ready for me. And I believe this church could be that. I think you're, you're maybe at the front of the line. But the question is, are you going to push all the way in? Yeah, I was talking with Colleen on the phone here you know, just a few weeks back and talking about some things. And she was talking to me about her heart and even about this Sunday and all, and there's some things God began to speak to me, and, and I knew I wanted to share it with you here today. But I think the big thing is this, that God is doing great things. There's marvelous things. But the question is, what are you going to do with what God has already given you? Who are you going to be in light of what God has already sparked? See, revival is more than just an initial encounter. Revival is about more than just you know coming to the altar is precious and as vital as that is. It's about rising up to your full identity, to your full destiny, to your full calling. 
Well, I think a lot of you know me, but uh, those of you that don't, I mean, uh, Lonnie did a good job introducing me. I'm, I'm one of the associate pastors at Revive Church. Uh, had the privilege of being one of the leaders in what was called the Smith and Outpouring Revival in rural Missouri, uh, a town of 532 people. A quarter of a million people came. Sometimes they would line up at 3 in the afternoon on Fridays to get into a 7 p.m. meeting. I've seen the glory of God fall on people. I've seen miracles that would just shock your, your mind. I've seen God touch people in ways I, I, I would just never imagine. I've seen you know, things just fall off people. I've seen God do marvelous things. And I can get up here and tell you stories uh, all morning. But I didn't come here to tell you stories. I didn't come here to tell you about my own past. I come here to talk to you about you about what God's doing in you and what I believe God's wanting to say to you. And if you've got a Bible, I want to ask you to turn with me to Judges chapter 6. This is going to, some of this is familiar, familiar stories. And um, I'm going to talk a little bit about Gideon today. Some of you guys know who he is, but one of the great judges of Israel, the one, one God used. And and what I want you to begin to do today is I want you to begin to identify with Gideon, but not just identify with him, identify with the people that are around Gideon. Because I want to talk a little bit about Gideon, but I also want to talk about the people that are gathered around Gideon, because I think there's some lessons here. You know, the Bible was written not only not just to give us history, but to give us examples. That's what it says in the book of Hebrews. Models, stories, understanding of how God operates. When we see how God moved, how God spoke, how God acted in days of old, it gives us insight and revelation of how he wants to move today. So I believe there's some stuff in this. And I think some of the things I'm going to say align quite a bit with what you heard in the production today. Uh, but let's look at this, verse 1. It says, The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. You know, here it is, they're, they're, they're acting like idiots, goofballs, people have lost the sense of who they're supposed to be, a nation that lost their way, and it says, now I'm going to send political oppressors upon you to, to put their thumb on you, to begin to, to cause turmoil. It's never fun to be in the middle of turmoil. Anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about there? I mean, you know, I think some, a lot of us could recognize our nation's in a lot of turmoil, but... Sometimes our families are that way, and sometimes we're the cause of it, and sometimes we just are, are a product of just bad circumstances. And I was talking with Pastor Lonnie a little bit before the service. You know, for the last five or six years, my daughter has an autoimmune sickness. And, man, I tell you, we've been fighting it. We've been seeing some breakthrough, but it's been a long haul. You know, there have been times, I'm, I'm telling you, I've been in the dark night of the soul. I'm not just exaggerating this. I mean, there's times, I mean, I've seen some of the greatest miracles you could ever see. I've watched God regrow bones right in front of my eyes. And I'm laying here crying out to God for my own child. And it's like, God, where are you in the midst of this? And I want to be clear, you know, not all the turmoil we go through we've caused. There's a lot of wickedness and selfishness in our nation that's causing a lot of undue duress and turmoil. But I want to be clear here today. Just because you're in a crisis, just because you're in a dark night, it doesn't mean you necessarily did anything wrong. Sometimes, in fact, you may have done everything right, and the devil wants to kick up his heels and cause some turmoil in your life. But whether you caused it or whether it's just a, you know, an attack of the enemy or whatever, it's tough to be in a tough season. It's tough when you've prayed and said, God, I know who you are. I know how powerful you are. I know how mighty you are. And it kind of feels like, where are you, God? You know, we went up to Mayo Clinic with my daughter right before the pandemic hit, first part of 2020. And I'm there, and they had the best doctors in the world. They all looked at her. And they sat in a room and told us we have no idea what's going on with her. Mayo Clinic. I come back to my hotel room, I didn't even know what to say. I think I wrote something on Facebook that was kind of depressing or whatever. Don't do that. There's people like, you okay? Is everything okay? And, and, and you know, the answer is no, I was not. It's like, God, where have you been? Where is this? I mean, here we are at Mayo Clinic. These are people that are supposed to know what they're doing, and they didn't have anything they could tell me. 
God providentially set it up where we did a little bit later on find out what was going on with her. We had a, a Pastor Steve, my senior leader, got a prophetic leading and reached out to a particular doctor in Chicago. And that doctor found a diagnosis and began a treatment a little bit after that. So God did come through in some powerful ways. Things are moving better. But I'm just trying to talk to you. I've been there. I know what it's like to be in a tough moment. I know what it's like, to, you know, the, anybody grow up on the ABC Wild World of Sports, you know? The thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. I guess I'm getting old. Only about half the room even knows what I'm talking about. You know, we love the thrill of victory. I mean, churches are, are great in the thrill of victory. I've seen the great moments. I've walked. I've been down in Argentina and watched 500 people be healed in just a few minutes. I've seen blind eyes open. I've heard, seen the, the ears open up. Marvelous things. But I've also been in difficult times. And sometimes as God begins to move, he's going to begin to ask us questions. He's going to ask us who we're going to be. It's not just who you are in the greatest and highest times, but who are you going to be when it gets hard? Who are you going to be when it really comes right down to it? And that's something I believe God's going to try to speak a little bit today. Verse 2 here it says, Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Basically, they're digging holes in the dirt because the enemy was so, so, so terrible. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, the Amalekites, and the other eastern peoples, they invaded the country. Can you imagine that? You start you know, trying to plant your crops and just about to get ready to harvest them, and here comes the enemy and goes and takes them all from you. What a terrible thing. Like the tax man. No. I'm sorry, I'm getting ready to do my taxes here. They, they, they camped on the land, and they ruined the crops all the way to Gaza. And they didn't spare a living thing for Israel, neither the sheep, nor the cattle, nor the donkeys. They came up with their, with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. They so impoverished the Israelites that the people cried out to the Lord for help. Now, that's good. They probably should have been crying out a little more before then. But there's something that happens in a nation or among a congregation or others when times get a little bit hard enough. People start crying out to God. I'm grateful, and I do believe we're in the midst of people beginning to cry out to God. I believe there's a lot of people that are sensing we need something more. We need you, Lord, to bring a deliverer. We need you to bring rescue. We need your grace and your power to begin to move. When God begins to hear the cries of the people, one of the things he usually does is he sends preachers. He sends people that come to, to share, speak from the word of God, speak from the heart of God to reveal some of what's going on. And, and you're privileged to be in a house where you have people who have been called to do that. Not just your senior leaders, but others that I hear who have the unction and leading of God to begin to speak. Verse 7, when the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent a prophet who said, This is what the Lord of God is, of Israel says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I've rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians. I've delivered you from the hand of your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live. But you have not listened to me. You know, God's given us so much good stuff. God's given our nation so much good stuff. He's given you. I mean, let's just be honest. You have it a lot better than you think you do. Now, I look at my wife and I think, my goodness, how did I get this woman? You know, the doctors told my wife and I we would never have any children, but we have two. I could tell you all kinds of stories. But here's a crazy one right here. I mean, you know, I, I grew up, you know, in Arkansas, you know, poor as all get out. I wasn't quite dirt poor, but not a whole lot away from that. If, you know, I, I didn't know it because everybody else was so poor. I mean, poor was a standard, you know. And I remember the excitement of me actually being able to own a home one day. And my wife and I were able to buy, a, you know, a small, about 1,200 square foot home. And we were really excited about that. Nothing wrong with that. 
I thought, boy, I've arrived. I have a house. But, you know, we had all these kids and trying to have people over and animals and my in-laws are over. and like, man, this thing feels really cramped. You know, we, 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 it'd be nice to get a different house. Well, I tell you, the Lord comes along, and I guess it's about four years ago, he opens up the door to get this really great house. And I look at it, you know, it's like, how did I get this? How did this happen? The house was $75,000 under the market value. And right now, it's, it, it was priced at half of what it's probably priced now. Now, all I'm getting at is, God begins to move on us, but it's easy to forget how good he's been to us. How kind he's been to us. How he's broken open the door to enable things to happen that we never imagined were possible. And the prophet's saying, hey, you know what? You bless folks. Somehow you've, you've, you've lost heart here. Somehow you've not let God be treasured, be centered, to be in your mouth of praise. I hope that's not you. But I know it's many here in our nation. Verse 11, it says, The angel of the Lord came down and sat under the oak at Ophrah, not Oprah, that belonged to Joash the Abizrite. I, I tell you, I love saying these names. I can't even pronounce them. Where his son Gideon was threshing the wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Here's this guy trying to get a little bit of the wheat that he could gather up, and he's down in the wine press trying to hide, his, hide from the Midianites. It says, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And I'm sure he's sitting there thinking, what? The Lord is with me? Have you seen the mess my life's in? I'm down here hidden in the, in the, in the wine press, kind of ducked down, trying to keep the, the people from taking my food. And you're calling me mighty? You're calling me powerful? You're calling me a warrior? See, God starts talking about you sometimes before t- the time, you know? God sees you in who you're going to be, not just in who you are. And God's talking, I believe, to this church. He's saying, hey, you know, you're mighty. You're strong. You're like, I don't know if I feel like that. I feel like I, I'm kind of on the wrong side of the tracks. I feel like I'm small. Verse 13, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord's with us, why has all this mess happened? You know, if we really are blessed, if we're really filled with goodness and glory, why, why, are, why is this going on? Where are all his wonders? Has anybody ever asked that question? Where's all the miracles? Where's all the inexplicable things? Where are the things that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of of Midian. Well, he's wrong about that. It's funny how God can move in you even though you're wrong. God had not abandoned them. It may have felt like it, but it wasn't true. Just because you feel a certain way, just because it might feel heavy, just because you feel like you're missing God, it doesn't mean he's necessarily far. That faith is not necessarily a feeling, and the anointing is not necessarily something you always recognize inside of you. Sometimes the things of God are completely in ways we cannot perceive, and we cannot begin to explain some of the great things that God's up to. I remember I did a meeting in uh, Wichita, Kansas one time, and they brought a young girl up to me to pray for her. And I felt zero anointing, zero specialness. I don't think my words sounded very good at all, Pastor Lonnie. I laid hands on the girl. I prayed for maybe two minutes. And so then about three years later, they came to our church in Kansas City, and they brought the girl up and said, do you remember us? And I go, kind of. Aren't you excited? I go, excited about what? And they began to tell me that this girl had a disease where she would age rapidly. And she was about 12, but already like maybe 25 in years internally. And the power of God hit her, and that aging stopped, and she was now evening out. I said, aren't you thrilled by that? I said, I am. I had no idea God did anything. Sometimes God's moving, you don't even know it. And he's beginning to call you, and he's, he's actually asking you to step up out of the pit. And you're like, what are you talking about? You know, and he's telling you good stuff's about to happen. You're like, where? How? You know, and it's like, it's like you've got to begin to believe him, believe his word. Believe what he's saying. 
The worst sin I'm ever saying, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, you abandoned us, God. Well, that's not true. God hasn't abandoned us. God hasn't left us. God hasn't forgotten us. Even if it feels like it, it's not true. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have. He said, I don't want you to go in strength you don't have or dig it up somewhere else. No, use what you got. Get up. It's time for you to go and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? I'm sure Gideon's like, oh, okay, okay. You know, get up. Go do something. But see, a lot of us start hearing about Gideon, and we get excited here. But sometimes you're probably not really Gideon in this story. Maybe you are a little bit. Sometimes I think Gideon in this story is Lonnie and Colleen Hardy. You know, they're the ones that have been digging it out. They're the ones getting a vision, the ones that are supposed to get stuff. Now, we're the ones that are going to go with them. We're the ones that are going to ride with them. We're the ones that are going to stand with them. There's some lessons I want to bring on that. But, you know, Gideon's like, hey, man, pardon me, Lord, but how can I do anything? How can I save Israel? My, my family's the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the weakest guy in my whole family. Have you, have you checked this out here? Have you seen what's going on? Have you checked my wallet? What do you mean I'm going to do this great thing? What do you mean I'm going to rise up? What do you mean I'm going to go and buy, buy a, an old car dealership building or whatever? What do you mean we're going to fill up the other room there, man? How are we going to do that? How's this going to happen? The Lord answered, I'll be with you. And you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. We can keep talking about this and keep going and all, but, you know, today... I just want to begin to talk about how God begins to bring revival, how God begins to ignite things, how God begins to stir realities, how God begins to raise up leaders and voices and people that push against the tide, that push against the moments, that begin to speak the heart of God, that begin to gather people to a greater cause. Sometimes these are unlikely people, people that maybe no one else would pick. People that maybe have weaknesses or challenges or whatever. But God begins to call them. God begins to speak to them in terms of of who they're becoming and not who they've been. He begins to anoint them. He begins to call them a mighty warrior. And they begin to press in. They begin to press through. God begins to, to give them a voice to gather others. And if you read this story, you read about... Thousands of other people are beginning to be gathered in and around Gideon. So it's not just Gideon. There's other people, and and they're speaking about deliverance. They're speaking about rising up. They're speaking about seeing God helping them get out from under the thumb of these Midianites. They're seeing a day of breakthrough, a day of glory, a day of life. Suddenly Gideon's thinking, you know what? Maybe we are going to see those wonders again. Maybe the things that we've heard from days of old will rise again. Maybe the great revivals that once happened will come in the midst of us. And God begins to stir. God begins to bring something of revival. You know, a lot of people have a wrong idea about revivals. I think one of the biggest things people think about revivals that's wrong is they always think they start big. They always think they start in ways that everybody goes, wow, that was a revival. Revivals usually start small. Inconspicuous moments. They usually start with a handful. They usually start with like one person that gets a vision and they begin to travail and cry out and they begin to break open something that others can grab hold of too. Revivals seldom start in this big way. They start as a small flame. And then other people can hopefully gather around and start fanning that flame and, and making sure that it doesn't go out. Over and over again, over the last you know 30 years or so, there have been all kinds of Flames sparked. There's plenty of people that didn't have a vision to keep blowing on the flame. All kinds of churches that had opportunities to do great things that were poised to really launch something significant in a generation, but they were people that couldn't quite grab hold of what God is up to. Because we always have this idea if God does something, everyone's going to recognize it. If a move of God begins, everybody's going to sense it. Well, I always imagine it to be big. I don't know if you know this or not, but when you make history, you seldom feel like you are. When you're doing great things, you know, I was there in that little church in Smithton, Missouri. 
you know, and I'm in the room there where Pat Robinson shows up and other celebrities and their lines are out the door and it didn't feel like we were making history. It just felt like we were praying for a lot of people and sweating. All I knew was I was losing my voice. I didn't have any time to do much of anything else because basically all you could do is go to work and go to church. It was sometimes hard, but you know what? It's the best years of my life. See, the problem is that we don't begin to see. We don't begin to understand. And we don't always understand what happens as God begins to move in a room, as God begins to bring revelation, as God begins to convict, as God begins to stir the hearts of a people in a room. We, we get it, but there's more to it than what we think. Even what's already happened in the service today. It, it, there, there's a more going on than maybe what you initially think. There's more that God is trying to say and, you know, as I'm closing out the service today, I want you to get a hold of this because I think many of you are stirred, and that is awesome. But there's even more he's inviting you to. There's even more that's on the table here. There's more that's being questioned. Some of you answered rightly, but there's another question rising now as I close out this meeting today. See, some of you don't realize this, but maybe there's fragments and pieces of revival already, already starting and there's possibilities, and there's, there's ways if you begin to turn in to what God is doing that this church could become a major voice in this region. But see, there's conditions on this. There's things that have to be answered. There's things that we have to grab hold of ourselves. You say, well, what do you mean, Pastor J.D.? I, I think I'm confused. You know, what do you, what do you mean? I mean... You know, I've already responded to God. I, I get that. I get that. But the question is, are you going to keep responding? The question is, are you going to go the full distance? The question is, are you really going to grab hold of your destiny? Are you going to be satisfied with staying back? Because you see, revival, an imagery of revival that we carried, you know, maybe over the last 30 years or so, people don't talk about it as much now, is a, is a picture of, 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 of a river, a raging river, the water of God washing over you. And, you know, and I don't know how many of you guys love rivers. I love rivers. You, know, you go and I did some white water rafting one time. It was so fun. I did one of those ones where like, it was like a level nine, like a killian. I was like, this is so fun. These mighty rivers, raging rivers. The river of God is stirring. It's powerful. It's mighty. But more than that, it's like a place of refreshing, a place of renewal, a place of joy. Heavens knows some of you folks in this room could use a little extra joy. Your wife told me to say that. I'm kidding, she didn't. But she would if I asked her. You say, well, I, I'm, 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 I love Jesus. Well, I get it, but you need to get a little bit extra of that love. You know, that, that, that we need that river, that refreshing, that life. You know, years ago... I used to think that 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 you was only godly if you cried, but as times went on, and I've gotten old, and I have a mortgage and kids and struggles. I learned that you know what? I need some extra joy. I don't just need to cry. I need God to actually put some laughter in my mouth, some hope, some goodness. You know, some of you cried, and I'm glad, but it's time to also learn how to laugh. The river of God is a place of joy, of refreshing of goodness and hope. You know, I'm watching, you know, some of you probably think I'm strange, but I was watching some of the people pray and watching the young people and they're pressing into God this morning and, and you know, I just I got, this joy came over me. I'm like, look at this. Isn't this marvelous? Look at this. Look at this conviction. I mean, you're not supposed to have joy over conviction. But it's like, yeah, God's stirring hearts. Yeah, look at that. Look at that. Isn't that marvelous? Isn't that good? <laughs> yes, Lord. You say, can conviction make you joyful? I, I, it can, I guess. The revival, the river, the stirring. I love those old 90s revival songs. The river is here. We rejoice for the river is here. Laughter and life and, and all of that and 
you know what I believe? I'm watching, you know, I saw your slides with some of your groups and things. You got all these great things going on, which I think is marvelous. People connecting and doing life together. I love it. Those are signs of life. That's signs of the river flowing. Love it, love it. This church is alive. Good things going on, going on. But here's the thing, guys. As we come to this river, as we come to these moments, as we come to God beginning to stir, what all I've talked about and everything we've come up to is not enough. It's not enough. You say, well, what do you mean? Well, we need to laugh. We need to rejoice. We need to repent. We need to, 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 to love. We need to do all these things. But see, the river of revival is not just about those things. It's not just about preparing. It's not just all those other things. You see, Gideon was called to bring all these men together. But some of them didn't understand the, the destiny on their lives. Some of them didn't see what God was up to. Some of them were distracted. Some of them were missing their destiny. And so God called him to bring the men down to the water. To bring them down to the waters of revival. To bring them down to the place of refreshing. And I believe today God's bringing you, all of us, me too. Bring us to the water. Bring us to the river. You say, well, gosh, I've enjoyed this journey. I've walked with God. I've even ready to drink some of this water. That's right. That's good. you got to understand something. Revival is not just about refreshing. It's not just about gathering. It's not just about those things as precious as they are. Revival is also about sifting. It's about deciding who is really ready to go into battle. You say, well, Pastor J.D., that doesn't sound very nice. Well, I just got the spirit of Colleen Hardy coming on me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Sometimes the truth ain't nice, folks. You say, well, I thought everybody... I thought everybody's supposed to get into this. Well, everybody can. Everybody should. But you see, the, the river is not just about refreshing. It's not just about the things that sometimes we make it about. See, what God is wanting to do, and, and today I'm not trying to suggest my sermon or anything about today is the defining moment of this, but maybe it begins today. Maybe it begins in this season but see, you're coming before good things. God's beginning to stir. God's beginning to quicken hearts. I see it in the nations. We just had a meeting you know, down in our place on Friday night, and the young people led it, and, and there was just a, just a fire of repentance and, and holiness that came through the room, and the kids began to weep and call out upon the Lord. And That's happening all over the United States, and, and there are things beginning to stir. God is quickening hearts. God is beginning to give the offer of revival. In our nation, he's bringing people before a river, bringing them before the spring. I believe this couple here and their staff and team are doing the same thing. We're bringing people into the river, into the place of God, into the place of a stirring, in the place of refreshing in life. And we need to drink from that. We need to enjoy that. But that's not the end of the story. That's not the end of how this goes. And today I've got to preach this to you. Because here we are. We're in a spring. We're in the river. Some of you have tasted some good things. The question now is what are you going to do? How are you going to drink as we move forward? Because the river isn't just about refreshing. The river is also about sifting, about deciding who will be able to go into battle, who will be able to step into the, the destiny of victory and empowerment and breakthrough guys know this. Chapter 7, verse 5 here. I want to read a little bit here. So Gideon took the men down to the water. So here we are. We're down at the water today. You know, it's good. The water's good. And the Lord told him this. He said, separate those who lap the water with their tongues like a dog from those who kneel down to drink. People say, well, he, he, he wanted the people that drink like dogs. Yes. Because you see, the issue at the river is not just who drinks, but it's also how they drink. You say, well, I come to church, and, 
and I'm, I'm kind of open, and you know, I want prayer, and you know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of in this. Good. But how determined are you? How passionate are you? How driven are you to move to the next place that God has? Because you see, when the Lord began to speak to Gideon here, He said this: I want you to watch how the people drink. I want to watch how they approach the water, and He. He, he has him point out those that kneel down and scoop the water and drink like this. As opposed to the people that just stick their head down. You say, what, 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 do, you, what do you mean? You mean? You mean God's actually looking at how we drink? Yes. You say, well, I'm, I just wanted to come to the river. I didn't know that God was watching how I, how I drank. Is. See, the problem is there's a lot of, a lot of river coming. There are a lot of good things coming. And a lot of you are, are drinkers more than most churches. Thank God for that. I mean that in a good way. Kind of like the thespian joke there. You're, you're water drinkers. I think most of you are, are drinkers in this room. But the question is, are you really, really the right kind? You see, he didn't just want the people that had their face down. He wanted those that had the ability to, to envision what was going on around them. People that could begin to see the bigger picture. People that could begin to see what the enemy might be up to. People that actually had a better sense of what was going on than just their, just their own lives. See, when the river comes, it's not just about the river and it's not just about drinking, but it's also how you drink. It says that 300 of them cupped their hands, lapping like dogs, and all the rest got down on their knees to drink. And the Lord said to Gideon, with 300 men that lapped, I will give you the Midianites into your hands and let all the others go home. That's kind of a scary line. You know, when I was a kid, you know, I always wanted to play sports, but I'll just be honest with you, I rode the pine most of my life. You know, when it was basketball, I was always, you know, me and some really super short kid picked last, you know. You know, I used to watch all those action movies, you know, Chuck Norris and Sylvester Stallone. I'm going to be the, the fighting guy, you know. But sometimes you feel like you're always on the sidelines. You feel like you're always being overlooked. You know, I read about these great revivals. Like, I, you know, I, I want to be that guy. I want to be Evan Roberts that went and interceded and prayed all night and prayed for 100,000 people to be brought into the kingdom. I want to be that person that, that prays bold prayers and all that. I want to be that, but, but, but have I positioned myself to be that? Have I got a hunger that's bigger than who I am? Have I got a vision for something more than just the river itself, but begin to drink and to receive and to envision and grab hold of this? So here's the thing. I don't like being sent home. I don't like riding the pine. I don't like being an asterisk. I want to make a difference. I want to be the Kansas City Chiefs, not the Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> as good as they might have been. I want to be great. <laughs> you say, well, I, you know, I mean, I, I think most of you feel that way. But the, the question, you know, the, the, the jury is still out about you. Here we are, we're standing before the river. The water is raging. And there's opportunity. And the question is now, how are you going to drink? Who are you going to be? How are you going to respond to what God is really putting in front of you? How determined are you to press in on this? You say, well, Brother J.D., I'm already saved. What more do you expect from me? Well, I expect all of you. Well, well, you know, I've already, I've already committed. I've already done this. I've done, hey, that's great. How about we rise up, though, and give our full heart? How about we rise up in this and say, you know what? I want all that God has to give in this hour. I'm going to get behind Gideon. I'm going to get behind the work that God is building. I'm going to begin to envision what it might take to drive out the evil political forces that are taking my, my food from me. They're taking our lives from us. They're taking our future from us. I'm going to rise up with those that have the voice of God that will bring strength, they'll bring stature, they'll bring stirring and hope. 
I want to stand with those who truly experience revival rather than those that just watch it and criticize it. I get on social media, and that's already the problem. Somebody already preached that that was a problem today. And they're right. You hear all these old preachers and everybody criticizing revivals because it doesn't come the way they think it ought to. Criticizing churches, criticizing this and criticizing that. They just need to shut their mouths. I saw how they were drinking, and it's pretty dreadful. It's funny, you know, we, we, we want to criticize other people drinking, and we're drinking like, you know, like, like fools. Not hardly drinking at all. Drinking with no insight, no vision, no heart. We're drinking like it's going to keep staying a mess like it's been and not believing that God's going to bring goodness and glory. Listen, I get we're in the middle of a mess. We all know that. We know there's trouble. I'm not going to discount that fact. But God is a God of revival, a God of power and might. And some of those who get a vision begin to get behind what God's about to do. They get behind what God is birthing in the nation. They begin to see that evil will not remain forever. That God will raise up a generation. God will raise up Gideons and 300 mighty men that can shake the very heavens. That their shout and their light can begin to bring something that shakes the enemy's camp. That turns everything around. And causes goodness to arise. So here today, as I wrap this thing up, it's been a good day. There's good things going on in this church. There's been good things going on in this church for a long time. You got good leaders that have been wise enough. They've been wise enough to bring you on the edge of the river, the edge of the water. And they've modeled what it means to drink. The question is, what are you going to do now? Who are you going to be? Are you going to be among those who truly get this? I don't know the answer to that question. I don't. You get to decide that. Today, your response, not just to this message, but to, but to the season coming, you get the chance to actually respond to what I'm preaching. You say, well, again, well, Brother J.D., I, I, th- I thought I was already saved. I'm not questioning your salvation. Well, I, I, I love God. What do you mean? I know you love God. I'm asking whether you want to be a warrior. I'm asking you whether you want to be a revivalist. I'm asking whether you want to be a world changer. I'm not asking you whether you go to heaven. You say, well, well, I don't know about all that. Well, it's time to figure out. I've already given enough. Well, are you sure about that? I think I already drank enough. Well, what would it hurt to just dip in a little little more, to go a little deeper, to cry a little bit more? I've gotten convicted, you know. I'm I'm getting old these days, and I remember how we used to pray in Smithton. I think, man, I don't know if I pray like that anymore. I don't think I pray until I lose my voice. I don't think I pray until my knees hurt. I don't think I pray until I can't hardly do it anymore. I need to do that now. I need to rise up. How about you? Here we are. It's been a marvelous day. God has been convicting. God has been stirring. God has been quickening. God has brought us all to the river. Brought us before the water. And the question now is how are we going to drink? How are we going to move forward? And what God has. And your response to what God is doing in the season ahead will determine whether you're on the battle lines bringing the glory or whether you're sent home. So who are you going to be? Why don't you stand up with me? You know, I'm not going to drive this home to be an altar time. Some of you already been on the altars today. But, you know, I'm going to tell you this. If you feel like you need to press in, if you feel like you need to come running, I would welcome you to do that. I know this is, you know, a hard floor here and all, but I remember back in the days of revival, some at, at Smith and all, I'd watch people come running and they'd skid across the floor and actually skin the, drive the skin right off their nose as they began to put their face before the Lord. 
I'm not asking anybody to do that here today, but sure, it wouldn't hurt just one time to see somebody actually get up, move, and do something. You know, respond like we're always so casual. We're always measuring everything out. You know, come on. Come on. I mean, world changers don't measure anything out. They say, whatever, Lord, whatever. You know, I love that story where John and Peter, they go to try to visit Jesus after he's dead, you know, in the, in the tomb there. And it, John was, ran faster than Peter, but he stopped at the, at the door of the, of the tomb, and, and Peter just ran on in. Peter sure couldn't run very fast, but he just kept going. Everybody likes to make fun of Peter when he stepped out on the water, but everybody else is sitting back in the boat. You say, what are you trying to say? I should just do something in my flesh. But no, but I'm saying it wouldn't hurt you to do something. It wouldn't hurt you to just get up. It wouldn't hurt somebody to get a little momentum. Over the years, I've watched when somebody actually begins to move, when something begins to happen, when there's some kind of stirring, it begins to change the hearts of people. So today, you know, if you want to get, get, get a touch, if you want to pray, you want to seek God about this, then, then these altars are open. But I know a lot of you have been pressing in. And we don't have to have some big, long, drawn-out altar call today. This is your choice. This is you to decide who you're going to be. As we wrap this up, too, I'm going to make myself available. I mean, to pray for whoever would like to get some prayer. I like to pray for healing. If you're sick, love to lay hands on you and see if you get healed. But as I wrap this up today, I believe that this production and all this has been what God has really wanted to do today. And it's really the thing he's speaking. And I'm, just, I'm, I'm really adding a tag on in a lot of ways. I'm saying now in light of what he's already doing, who are you really going to be? Where are you really going to go? In light of his convicting presence, who are you going to be from here on? And I do believe, I feel like I've heard this. If you've heard me come up here before, you know I've said this. I believe this church here has a real, real opportunity to be a key voice in this region, in this area, that would influence other churches, that would, that would just, just be a spearhead of, of a move of God and, and just activities of God. I believe that, really do. But what's going to happen, what's going to determine that in a lot of ways is the people here, those who decide, am I going to go with this or not? Am I going to drink deeply or not? So who are you going to be? Where are you going to go? Father, right now, in the mighty name of Jesus, I just speak over this church. I speak over the men and women of this congregation, Lord. And I know that they've been people that, that, that love the river and they love the drinking and all that. I, I know they do, Lord. But, Lord, if you put it in them, that heart to go a little deeper, to go a little stronger, to get a bigger grasp of what you want to do in the earth, Lord. Lord, and I just I just speak over, I know that I see a lot of energy and strength and leadership and vision and truth being spoken and released. I see it in the kids. But Lord, I'm asking, Lord, to, to convict and to draw even more that there are things that accompany salvation is what the scriptures say. I get that you're saved, but more. Lord, help us see the things that accompany salvation, those deeper works, those opportunities to rise up, to be a voice, to be a vessel, to be a spearhead of something amazing. Father, move in the midst of us. Move in the midst of this house. Lord, I pray that if, if this is, in fact, a season of revival breaking open, I pray that this church would be one of the strongholds of revival that these people would carry your glory. They would carry your light and they would carry you the sound of your glory. That they would shout and they would stand. Father, let it be. Let it be. I pray over Passion Church, Lord. Blessings for this church. Even more favor. And Lord, I pray special favor over many of the sacrificial and generous ones in this house. Let it be even more, though, even more in this day and time, even more that we would rise, that we would be, that we would become, that we would to, to let our hearts be quickened, to let our souls be stirred, 
Lord, that we would see that it's about more than joy and refreshing, but the river's also about sifting. Help us see that, Lord. Help us see that. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray this. Amen. So again, I'm inviting you. If you want to come, if you want to pray, if you want to seek God, some of you need to make a decision to do something. Maybe you don't even need to come down, but you need to, you need to go and talk to your pastors and say, I'm here with you on this. You can count on me. You better be true to your word if you say that. Some of you need to make a commitment, a deeper commitment to God and to what God's wanting to do. Some of you might need to be willing to budget a little more time in your schedule to pray, to come and to participate. Father, let it be in us. If this is the season of your river, the season of your revivals, the season of your stirrings, Lord, let us drink. Let us drink rightly, Lord. Let us receive rightly from who you are, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. I'm going to put this down. I'm going to let Austin sing. And you just respond to God as you see fit. I'd, I'd love to pray for anyone that would want prayer. But it's up to you. It's all, I'm putting the ball in your court. I, can, I, could, I, could, I could preach you into submission, I guess. But who are you going to be? What are you going to do? What decision are you going to make right now in light of the, of, the, of the presence of the Lord, in light of what you saw even earlier today? Who are you going to be? In light of this world in such a wretched place, are you going to sit back and just let it continue to have such turmoil? Are you going to let all these families here in the Cameron area struggle and be filled with wickedness and perversion and darkness? Are you going to say, you know what, I'm going to be a light. I'm going to rise up. I'm going to become. So right now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be quiet. Let Austin sing, and I'm going to invite you to respond to the Lord.